Hey, welcome to Ready Row USA. It, we have uh, illustrious uh, guests today, Jim Dietz and Mark Wilson from All American Rowing Camp are going to be introducing the concept of head racing and touching on some of the exciting races around the country that they've gone to. Mostly we're talking today about the ones in uh, October and November, the Ohio Secret City, head of the Charles, head of the Schuylkill, Hooch and the South. And uh, they'll probably, these guys will probably wander on to some other topics too. So I am really looking forward to this discussion. We'll introduce them in a second and you get to see them on, if you're watching on uh, the live stream and please um, put any comments in the chat. We can ask them in real time. I'm Charlotte Pierce, I'm the producer. And I. before we get started, I wanna um, thank our newest sponsor, Sykes Rowing, Sykes USA. It's an Australian based company, but they have amazing boats. I just bought one and um, they're destined for our customer service hall of fame. I think the, the experience of buying this boat from Sykes was so pleasant and the boat just it's a 135 light flyweight and it just flies so i appreciate all that fabio selvig did to make that happen um we are as i said uh let me get them on screen here mark wilson uh, is on the bottom there and jim Dietz is in the middle hydrating himself Always. <laughs> how are you guys doing very good, thank you. Yeah, you getting ready for some head races this this? Get, uh, oh, I've already raced in one. This past weekend, we had the head of the pond in Mashpee, Massachusetts. It's a 7,500 meter race that goes from one lake to another lake, go around three islands and back. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. And Mark, you've been getting ready for your European camps and the head of the Charles camp, right? Yep, we've got uh, we've got things planned all, all through the fall. Been doing some coaching down here in hot Florida and mm -hmm. uh, training in my driveway and leaving uh, sweat ponds in my driveway from my earth <laughs> session. So uh, I've seen some been, pictures. It's, it's, been, <laughs> it's been good. So yeah, thanks for having um, us on the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. It's always great, and I I want to do this annually. We're actually in episode 95, so wow. we're counting down to 100. And we'll be going, we've been going since 2018. We'll be, um, we'll be uh, going into our fourth year. So yeah. uh, let me just uh, get, you guys get started on, on why you like head racing and, and uh, I'll queue up the websites for the ones that we'll be talking about. Well, I think where we wanted to start today, Charlotte, is, is where head racing really originated. And uh, for the most part, it, it originated in, in Great Britain with the bump races between the schools and, mm -hmm. you know, having long, windy stretches of, of the Thames River and not many straight shots to, to have sprint racing. Head racing started there. It, it, here in the United States, it didn't start until 1965 uh, when Ernie Arlette, who was the legendary first coach of uh, Northeastern University uh, got together with the Cambridge Boat Club and said, look, nothing's happening here in the United States in the fall. We need to have a race in the fall. And there was the, was the 
impetus to start the very first Head of the Charles. So it was Ernie Arlette and Darcy McMahon and a few people from the Cambridge Bow Club that started that event where in the very first year, you could probably put all of the competitors <laughs> weren't on the, you know, from the Charles River itself in the Cambridge parking lot. And now and what was the weather like that year? <laughs> it went, I, I don't I, I think it was rainy. For some reason, I remember rain. I, I, I came up. Uh, our car broke down on the Mass Pike. We hitched the rest of the way in uh, to Boston and stayed at uh, the Harvard Law School dorms because mm -hmm. one of our one of our teammates was was at Harvard Law School, but well, it's right an event today. I know that the it one one year it was snowing since I've been in this area, and one year it was eighty degrees. So mm -hmm. that's October twenty yeah. second um, coming. Yeah. We'll have to and, see. And, and one year it was canceled. Uh, that what year mark was nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we we retreated to the bar right during the deluge of, of rain pelting down and flooding the Charles River. And last year it was virtual, so we're back well, on the river. We, we, we've seen the, that race has seen it all, but there's a lot yeah. of other races, and I think one of the things that we want to want to do is talk a lot about some or a little bit about all of several other races. And uh, I think one of the unique things about head racing that I really enjoy is this is the is the uniqueness of each and every race. And I think as you are planning for your fall fall rowing uh, series, if you have an opportunity to travel to different locations, or if you as a scholar or as a group of uh, a four or a pair or double or whatever you happen to be, have an opportunity, look around the calendar and see if there's other races that you might want to go and explore. Um, we're going to talk about a handful of kind of the bigger races, but in the mm -hmm. there are races everywhere, as Jim just mentioned, the new little uh, uh, race out on Mashpee Pond. And then, you know, there's races all around the Midwest and, and um, further around New England and in the Mid-Atlantic and so on. So I would really encourage people to. Yeah, explore. when I was prepping this session, I, I just looked on Regatta Central and there's a search box and you can just type in head you know, and then you go by the date, mm -hmm. but there's just a million of them. And I didn't really know what to choose, but I, I picked some of the ones in the East here. Yeah. Um, yep. And there's already been head races out in uh, California. They had a half marathon race in Petaluma a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's races out in uh, Sacramento, California, and obviously up in Seattle, the famous head of the lake and frostbite regatta. So they're all over the place. And I just would encourage people to, you know, yeah. to explore and, and look around as you as you go. So okay. Well, have you all been to events. the? They're great social events that you know you get out and you meet a lot of nice people, and as Mark says, you see a lot of different waterways, and you know all of them have their challenges. That's for sure. And the first one, the first race that we're highlighting here today is the head of the Ohio. And that certainly is has a challenging waterway. I've I've raced in the head of the Ohio. I've taken teams to the head of the Ohio in the past. And uh, sometimes it's like uh, Mashpee Pond, probably, or, or a real quiet corner of the Charles River. But on other years, it can be like an ocean out there. And uh, the head of the Ohio, it can be challenging for you if you're not used to big water. And, uh, and it's, it's not in the Midwest. Midwest. It's in Pittsburgh, right? 
Yeah, yeah, head of the Ohio's in Pittsburgh, right? That's where the Ohio River starts. So it's actually a very apropos name. Um, the Ohio River is the formation of the Monongahela and the Allegheny Rivers. And so you actually are at the head of the Ohio, uh, which is actually kind of unique and fun to fun to think about. So, but cool. it's a beautiful, beautiful city. There's been a lot of changes over the last few years at the venue when, uh, with the formation and the development of the waterfront there with the new stadiums and so on. So it used to be a lot different than it is now. And I think that's one of the other unique things with a lot of our races is mm -hmm. that the riverfronts around America are finally becoming uh, more valued. And yeah. the highlighting of some of these events that have been going on for a long, long time are being seen by more people just because of the venue is being more developed and, and uh, more sought after. So and the I head of Ohio is certainly one of those. I love Pittsburgh. It's I was there for a conference a few years ago and just it's really fun. And I, I really wanted to row, but I didn't get a chance. But um, so the head of the Ohio is one of the big one of the bigger first races. It's the first mm -hmm. weekend of October. Um, and thousands of people will end up converging in on on, on Pittsburgh. And it's a nice location for people to come in from the Midwest. Um, a lot of folks will come in from uh, Western Ohio or even Indiana. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then obviously people from the mid-Atlantic states. It's an easy drive up from Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. So you get a nice cross-representation of, of uh, participants from, mm -hmm. from the two kind of bigger regions, the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and then obviously also the Midwest. So it's a neat, neat, neat for that as well. Now, do, do all these head races have different like cutoff dates for registration? I mean, could you still get into the head of the Ohio or not? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of uh, Regatta Central and the right. opportunity to go to uh, exactly, yeah, and then yeah. be able to see uh, what you can what you can still enter and so on. Uh, usually, I think it's a couple of weeks out for for the races that mm -hmm. fill up. Um, but obviously, a lot of these bigger races do fill um, early, and so um, right. it may be too late. But I'm not I'm not sure. I know the head of the hooch, which we'll be talking about later, just opened like yesterday or something. Wow. So, okay. Have to that, that's another good point though, Charlotte, because uh, some of the races are, are being limited to the number of people that can actually attend them. And uh, this weekend I know is the, uh, the, the, the opening of the head of the Housatonic in Connecticut. And if you're not online within the first couple of hours, you might not get in the race because wow. they're so oversubscribed. Yeah. You know, so it. that is a very good point. And, you know, just going to Regatta Central, if you queue up the regattas that you want to go to on Regatta Central, yeah. they'll send you an email saying registration yeah. is open. You can actually put them on a favorites list or something. Yeah. yeah. Mark, it's kind of like getting on Southwest Airlines. You know, you got to make the calls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got into the head of the Charles again for the second time on the lottery because I didn't qualify this time, you know, last time I was in. But um, so I'm, I'm like, I'm getting nervous. Yeah. You'll I don't know. Fine. You'll do fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll live. It's only half an hour out of your life, right? right. Mark, we, wow. we had the Worcester group at the head of the pond this year. They came with nice two threes, two triples, huh? Two, two triples. Yeah. And, and other wow. scholars, Mike Spillane raced, you know, they did well. That's great. You mean right. um, the Worcester? Uh, queued up the uh, Secret City head race and the Secret yep. City is in 
my old town that I used to live in and, and uh, can talk a little bit about the Secret City Head Race. It's a beautiful venue in uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and uh, usually the second weekend of October. And it is, again, uh, masters, collegiate and high school racing. And I think that's one of the other unique things about head races. Jim was talking about that in our pre-show in our green room and how <laughs> unique that is to the sport. Jim, you want to talk about that just a little bit? What was that, Mark? The idea how unique racing is, head races is, because you have the juniors, the masters, and the collegiate teams. That's right. You know, and uh, other people have mentioned that to me in the past that have come from other sports that mm -hmm. it's it's very unusual to have Olympians racing in the same races as juniors and masters and whatever. This past weekend, the youngest sculler we had in, in our regatta was 13. In her first year of sculling, she was able to compete against Jevy Stone, who just completed her third Olympics. All right. Other people in the race going up to 85 years of age. So knowing your handicap or your split going into these head races, you're mixing gender and everything else, you know, trying to set up races, which makes it very competitive for everybody. So, you know, you can run the gamut. And for kids to be able to, to be in races where they're seeing Olympians and being able to talk to Olympians and, you know, talk to masters that have been in, a, in different international races and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of special and you, you don't get that in, in other sports. I think the melting pot at the dock and then the regatta side is absolutely fantastic. And that's mm -hmm. one of the cool things about all these head races. Uh, the Secret City head race is a fairly straightforward uh, 5K race. You go, you start more or less at the finish line at the venue in Oak Ridge, which were held Masters National this year and have held uh, regionals wow. mm -hmm. and uh, NCAA. So it's a very well-known 2,000-meter race course, maybe a little less known for its 5K. But the 5K, if you're looking at the screen, it starts uh, 3K above the starting line for the sprint race course and you yeah. go up there towards clinton you're following you're rowing upstream and then the race course is downstream the one bridge you, it's a fairly straightforward easy mm -hmm. ish uh race course so there's no real challenge in the in the course itself just some nice gradual turns you come under the railroad bridge and then the last two thousand meters is straight as an arrow right down the uh 2000 meter sprint course and you finish at the finish line so it's a pretty neat um pretty neat Pretty neat race, and it looks and it, gorgeous. And it, looks, it is gorgeous. It's fall yeah. in uh, Middle Tennessee or in uh, East Tennessee, and then oftentimes the some of the best time to be in in Tennessee. Absolutely, so, yeah. it looks like. Um, so after that, after Secret City, which is the seventeenth of October, starts. We have da da da, -da. the head of the Charles. The, the Charles. Charles. You know, one of the things I think that makes the head of the Charles special is the seven bridges, right? Yeah. And and the severity of the turns. You mean and, the ones that and, grab your boat when you're going through? And and that's where you have to be a little bit more cerebral in, in mm -hmm. thinking of, uh, about your race. You know, uh, there, are, there are sections of the race where you want to be going fast and there are sections of the race that you actually want to be slowing down because making those turns can save you minutes, all right? And... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you often see that with the person that's coming to the Charles for the first time, you know, that they go through a bridge and they're going 
60 degrees out of the direction of the race course, which, which, which just, you know, just slows you down tremendously. So you really have to, this, the study, the race course that you're going to be going in, into, uh, you want to, you want to get some information of about the person starting in front of you and the person starting behind you, knowing whether they're locals or whether mm-hmm. they're here visiting and their course might be terrible, you know, how to track through the race course or former national team members from, uh, Australia or somewhere. Yeah, like yeah. Too, right? it, it is fun. And then you, I mean, like I raced in 2018 and then I got, you know, to chat with the people who had passed me or I had passed them or, you know, it was all really fun. I mean, I was terrified before I started, but it, it, it was, it was a great experience. I mean, yeah. You think about how these races have changed though, Charlotte. All mm-hmm. right. At the very first head of the Charles, as you went past the Boston University boathouse, there was a section of three-quarter inch ply that had a Seth Thomas clock on it, and they took a Polaroid picture of you (laughs) getting the second hand in, and supposedly that was hooked up exactly to the clock at the finish line where they took a second picture of you as you went oh by. And then they went back to the Cambridge Boat Club and, and did the math. Yeah. That's why in those first years, you had to have several kegs of beer because you had to keep the people entertained <laughs> while they're trying to figure out who really won. Well, well, our electronics has gotten a lot better over the years. And, and those results are instantaneous now and extremely accurate so yeah cool but you think about where we came from uh, yeah i interviewed the guy who runs he's run the start line tech stuff for uh uh, 35 years yeah yeah i I don't want to take too much away from the head of the charles but also this weekend is the head of the cuyahoga i was just looking on regatta central Oh, cool. The head of the Cuyahoga, I know that's not in our list right now, and we don't have to have a screen on it, but the head of the Cuyahoga is in uh, Cleveland, and it touts itself as equally challenging because there are the same number of turns and the same number of bridges in the head of the Cuyahoga. So if somebody wants to train for the head of the Charles, they really ought to make their way yeah. over to Cleveland, mm-hmm. run that a month ahead of time, and then be prepped and, and yeah. ready for the for the Charles. I raced that race back uh, a number of years ago as well, and it was super challenging. And those seawalls are really, uh, really hard. We don't Cuyahoga. Know. And how far away is that? Or what, how, where is That's that? in Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland yeah. Yeah. In the real Ohio. <laughs> yeah, up there in the. Um, the and I want to you know, take just a second to plug your, your head of the Charles Rowing Camps while we're on that uh, race. Um, you know, I took. Yeah, we might I have. Think, we might have to do. We might have to do three next year. We did. We've done two. Full. We've done one head of the Charles Racing Camp with Jim, and I kind of as your as your coaches and so on for the last I don't know eight years, nine years, something like that. Yeah. And uh, this year we had such an interest in the first one that we added a second one and filled them filled them both. So uh, it's a lot of fun, and like Jim always says, it's an opportunity for people to get the, you know, to kind of have the tour without the the 
you know, the big circus going on. So it's exactly. A- yeah. I mean, there's so many strategies that you can pick up from that camp and, you know, I don't know if anyone else does them, but yours is just so much fun and mm-hmm. so productive. You know, I, I knew a lot of people who wanted to come and you were already full. So what do we got next? Uh, the Schuylkill. Head of the Schuylkill. And this year will be the 50th anniversary of the very first head of the Schuylkill Regatta. Wow, that's a milestone. So, you know, it, it started six years after the head of the Charles. I think it actually was the second head race in the United States, you know, following the Charles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it just blossomed from there, you know, all, all the different regattas. Yeah, I'd really like uh, to A little that. shorter race than the Charles. Uh, it's downstream. I think it's only two and a half miles. It's really quick. And okay. this year... Because of the flooding on the river, it's even going to be shorter. Uh, because oh, yeah, how is that? The, the, well, the 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 safety line that goes across Boathouse Road to keep people from going over the falls that was ripped out by the logs and everything flooding over it. So you know, for safety this year, I, I think they're going to be start stopping yeah. it a hundred meters shorter. So they can turn the people around safely to to get them back up. But yeah, so there, there again, you're you're coming to a historic rowing city. Yeah, you know, with with you know so much to do there and so much to see there. And uh, again, it's a great event. And and why have these events continued to grow? Because our sport is growing along with it. You know, people need regattas to go to. And I think um, you know if if you can go to the the Schuylkill, they need a lot of support down there that some of those boat clubs just lost, you know, tons of boats and racks and right things like that. So, you know, just help them out. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. So have you uh, raced that Jim? Just- I've raced that several times. Um, <laughs> several just times. A couple. <laughs> just a couple, I guess. Yeah. Is the head of the Charles the one you raced the most? Or? Yeah, the Charles is definitely the one I raced the most. I've only missed one out of the past 57 years or 56 years. That's, that's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We can go on. if Or do you anything else on the Schuylkill? Well, I'll just mention, I'm looking again at the race site, race Regatta Central, and I think it's just interesting to mention, you know, along the same weekend as the head of the Schuylkill, there's also the North Star Regatta in Minneapolis. There's the Wormtown Chase over in Worcester, Mass. There's the head of the Colorado, which is a big race down in Austin, Texas. The Blake Haxton Fall Regatta in Columbus, Ohio is going on the same time. And then down here in Florida, the Halloween Regatta over in Tampa, Florida, and then the head of the bull trout up in Lake Stevens, <laughs> Washington, and uh, the Portland Fall Classic in Vancouver, and then the Speakman Memorial Regatta in Columbus, Ohio. So all of those events going on in on the same weekend as one of the as real, you know arguably the second largest head race in the in the country. We could do a little shows, road trip around, you know. Yeah, like well, it shows there. what Jim's talking about. You know, it's, <laughs> it just explains how big yeah. the sport is and how many opportunities there are to go uh, try other places. So, 
you know, and often I'll just mention too, you know, we have people and Jim is Jim, while he's been coaching at UMass for the last 24 years after, before retiring, he was always um, arranging or help arrange boats for other teams that were coming in from the other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the beauties of our sport is that we're, we're a very giving sport. So if you're wanting to travel or find yourself in Texas, for example, there's any number of boat clubs that would certainly find you a boat or rent you a yeah. boat or loan you a boat for a regatta, um, uh, you know, and, and just a little planning, a little pre-planning mm-hmm. on that. And uh, you you would have a great time, I'm sure. Racing. Yeah, I did it for the hooch. You know, they just they just gave me a boat to use and yeah. it was just so nice. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a rec- recreational rower who doesn't really go to regattas and you're listening to this, I would encourage you to pick out one of these regattas and go because yeah. it's a social event. You'll get to meet other rowers at of, of your own caliber. There's always that people there that can help you with with the strategy of how to row the race. You're mm-hmm. rigging, you know, you know, just to make that connection to the rest of the rowing community. I think you'd 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 really appreciate how friendly people are at these regattas. You know. Yeah. Just, weekends regatta i'm out pulling the course and three hours later people are still on the beach drinking coffee (laughs) eating donuts you know it's like it's just a good time i mean i get nervous but i'm always i mean always happy i did it you know and it's it's just a little you know effort out of your life and then you Mm -hmm. go and enjoy things yeah Yeah. And Um, and that race goes like that i mean yeah you, you might think it's 4,720 meters if it's the Charles or 7,500 at the head of the pond. It goes really quick and, yeah. and you get to enjoy a beautiful fall day. Right. And um, the hooch, uh, which I've wrote, wrote in, but the, um, the year I went, oh God, I didn't want to do that. Um, they it was the the flow was so fast that they cut it in half right yeah you know? so yeah I don't know that's, that's the thing with a lot of the races and and you do want to do a little homework and kind of look at look at the last few years results and think about the weather and stuff and especially if you're traveling a long way with equipment um, definitely look at the weather forecast before you go and um, make sure yeah. that you you know they're gonna they're going to row it or um, it have a plan B is along the way as well. Yeah. So not only do things happen, a lot of these regattas have been set in stone as far as the first weekend or the third weekend or the whatever weekend of the month that they happen to fall on for years. But things do happen this year. Um, my friend who runs the Music City Head Race in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, John Miller, he's the coach at Vanderbilt. They had to move their regatta day uh a weekend or two, I forget which it was, one or two weekends, mm-hmm. they had to change it because the Rolling Stones were <laughs> doing a concert at the football stadium, which is oh, the So they always <laughs> are on a non-football weekend at the Music City. But here, who would have guessed that the Rolling Stones would be coming into town? So they, they weren't going to uh, compete against the against the um, the Rolling Stones, obviously. So right. that one year in Pittsburgh that Jimmy Buffett was. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, was he so as popular you, as the Stones? <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. So they have all these Jimmy Buffett heads where everybody's wearing their coconuts and. 
beach yeah. house. Oh, right. Yeah. Lots so of margaritas. You do want to you do want to plan your your uh, calendar and look at the regatta schedule uh, early as possible as you're kind of making your plans. So, but the head of the hooch that's a great regatta as well. It's a relatively straightforward course, but as Charlotte already mentioned, water flow rate can change drastically mm -hmm. and uh, make the race a very uh, short event downstream but obviously if you've got a huge rate a huge current coming down you've got to race or you got to warm up more than the 5,000 meters jim and i did that a few years back yeah. and we raced the double and the single and man remember those that lightweight girls ate jim that we were that we, we didn't on. think they were going to make it to the starting line it was going to be an hour and a half before they got it was the like an hour line. up and then it was like nine minutes down right you know? yeah. <laughs> so plan but, uh, i got I got hung up on a buoy. I thought I was going to have to call for help, but um, you know, I I got off it, <laughs> or the river got me off it. <laughs> but um, and so obviously, with the weather this time of year, you know, in November, first weekend of November, things are starting to slow down up in the north northeast and the upper Midwest, and things kind of shift shift further south. Mm -hmm. So the racing the racing season continues, and our last event that we're going to post or chat real quick about is the head of the south which is in augusta georgia and it is the next weekend after the head of the hooch uh the second weekend of uh november and that's a beautiful venue as well it's really a nice course it's kind of a it's kind of a little s-turn course and, and it's it's mm -hmm. kind of challenging the river widens and narrows and so on so it's a very well uh well run and well respected race in the uh in the south Right, the head of the South, and um, that's uh, that's in Augusta, Georgia. And then yeah. there's going to be other races as well that weekend uh, down and around the uh, state of Florida and state of Georgia, and probably in Texas and California as well. Um, so there's lots of things still going on in November. So it's yeah, it's, it's fun. It's good. It kind of threw me off when I looked at head races because you know it's 2022, and then <laughs> so. The, just go down to the, the correct date. But. You know, whether, whether you're a junior or an elite athlete, you need a, a lot of water time and a lot of steady state. And mm -hmm. that's what head racing is really all about. It's about building your base, you know, mm -hmm. and getting out there and rowing those long distances and stuff like that. You know, yeah. that, that's one of the reasons that head racing really got popular because, you know, physiologically, we have to know how to build our, mm -hmm. our, our bodies up in order to, to be able to do the harder racing. I mean, personally, I don't think masters should row anything but head races, you know, it's yeah. only stuff that really makes sense. You know, banging your head against the wall for a thousand meters isn't appealing. <laughs> and wasn't it you guys who told me um, always like train a little longer than your head race? Yeah. Right. So put on another 500 meters or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. And then you're, kind of psyching your body out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. so. Well, we are uh, kind of coming to the end of our discussion, unless you guys want to talk about some, you know, general tips and tricks and stories. I, I, think, the biggest, story. I think the thing with a race is, is, you know, we kind of touched on already, but one of my things is just do a little bit of homework. I think it's really valuable mm -hmm. as a scholar or as a coach, if you're taking your team to a new location, for example, uh, just do that homework. You know, how know how far it is from the hotel to the venue. Think about race day traffic. Um, 
think about when you're going to eat, where you're going to eat, you know, th those kind of logistical things that are pre-race time um, really do matter. And I think a lot of times people get kind of uh, surprised maybe, or they get kind of caught behind and nobody wants to be caught behind on race day. So make sure when you're going to places, think about, think about those logistical um, challenges or obstacles and, and be ready for those. And then your race day and your athletes or you as the athlete will enjoy the day that much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where are you going to put your stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, how long it's going to take you to get from, from, where you are to the starting line, you know, I mean, simple stuff like that safely without running on onto the race course and running into people and getting in trouble, you know, it's right. And know the rules and know that some of the rules are, are different at different places. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. there's a dock, uh, a dock time and you will get a penalty if you stay on the dock longer than the rules allow for at that race. Some races are lackadaisical. You don't, they don't really care. There's plenty of dock space and others, they, uh, they're a little more pointed about making sure that you follow every rule. So I would encourage coaches um, and scholars, especially to row coxswains as well, to read the uh, head race um, program, you know, the, the rules of racing for their specific race, because everybody's a little different. So there's a lot of stuff on there's a lot of stuff on YouTube where you could click in the head mm -hmm. of the trials and maybe pick up some high school or college eight that has a, a GoPro going down the race course so you can see what it's like a little bit in advance. Yeah. Yeah. What, who's that, Ollie? Um, there's there's one, or is it not Ollie Rosenblatt? Maybe. Um, yeah. But you know, I think it was a 17 minute. Um, finish time, <laughs> mm -hmm. but anyway, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all fun. Thanks a lot for having us on today, Charlotte. We you're, really appreciate it. And you're so welcome, Mark. And um, we're gonna we've taken a little time off during the summer, but we're going to be doing a lot of uh, probably about two episodes a month. Um, we're going to be some, some club spotlights, so uh. If you have a rowing club that you'd like to have featured on the podcast, um, we really want to hear from you, and we want to we want to highlight it because there's some really cool people out there in in uh, you know U.S. rowing land. Um, review us, uh, subscribe on any of your podcast apps on YouTube, or we have a Facebook page where our uh, episodes go live as well. And if you use our hashtag. Ready Row USA. It's easy to remember. Um, you can win rowing gadgets and gear. Uh, like I just had a little takeaways slide. Um, we talked about this. Make a race plan and have fun. Train a little longer than your race. Um, that's a picture of where I launch from at the community rowing on the on the Charles River upstream from the race course. Shot in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got so many sunrise shots. It's true. <laughs> um, Pierce Press is my company, and our, all our podcasts are the archived on there, and it's uh, piercepress.com slash podcasts, or you can just use the menu. Um, we also publish books, and uh, we're doing some new books in our uh, alternative education uh, uh, imprint. Uh, we've won some awards with our children's books. They're really Really cool books. Um, a lot of 
uh, stories about diversity and uh, taking care of the environment. These are uh, listed on our PiercePress.com. And here's your, the club news form is also linked at PiercePress.com. So just fill it out and we'll get a hold of you and cover your club. We, I think we've, we're gonna do What Up a Rowing Center in um, Fall River and we've done uh, North Cascades was last month. So it's just, it's fun talking to these people who are doing cool things around the country. Um, gadgets and gear, we also have a form for that and you can find that on the website. And that's about it guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charlotte. We had a good time as always. As always, it's fun to hear your stories and your tips and tricks. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. -bye. bye.